Welcome. I'm Sarah Pollack. And I'm Quinn Faison. And together, we coach parents of preteens, teens, and young adults at Plan P. We have been there and done that. And when the going got tough, the P was for many things and always for practice, patience, and pause. The work that we do now as coaches has the full support and approval of both of our amazing children and teachers, Ellie and Harrison. So if you're a parent, you've come to the right place. We're going to give you tools to practice clear communication with your children, which will improve your relationships. We are so honored and excited to have you join us on this incredible journey where learning is in the pause and perfection is found in the practicing. Let's get moving. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Plan P, the podcast. (laughs) We are so grateful to be here with you. And today, well, what we've been talking about a lot is an often asked question How much freedom is too much freedom, Sarah or Quinn, right? Do you get that? I get it asked, I think, in sort of different ways. Mm. You know, is it okay if? Right. You know, would it be bad if? Because the answer to that question, how much freedom is too much freedom, that depends. What worked for the last child, and I'm using air quotes here, isn't working on this one. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Because they are different. Right. So how much freedom is too much freedom? Depends on each individual child. Even each individual child last month. Right. Well, or last week sometimes. <laughs> ah, the beauty of teens. You know, they they are growing and changing and their brains are changing. And so, you know, and and they go back and forth, right? They can be sulky and then they can be absolutely lovingly sweet. And then they can be you know, a total pain. So these things, they shift around a lot, which is part of what makes this such a difficult age. Right. And listening to you right now, I'm like, right. And they're lovely at other people's homes. We get that feedback all the time, right? What parent out there hasn't been like, why is Mrs. Smith telling me how lovely my child is? And they never demonstrate that in my own home. (laughs) Well, yeah. And, and that actually, I think when, when you get that feedback, Believe it. It's Mm -hmm. because they have listened to you. They do know what's expected. They just are comfortable enough with you to press and push and poke. Right. No, I think that's a really good sign. Right. I think rather than throw up your arms and say, why don't they act like this at home? Ask them questions. Not why are you acting like this at home? But what is it? Because what what I think that conveys is you are a safe environment for them to have feelings in. Right. So I would even just take it as a badge of honor and, <laughs> and, you know, maybe leave it alone because, you know, it depends, on, it depends on what they're doing. And, you know, as with everything, it always depends. Right. <laughs> okay. So there's the answer. Because, it depends. yeah, because, you know, our reactions are individual, their reactions are individual. It's all going to be very individualized. Yep. And it's like, if your child has in the state of California, it's an IEP an individualized education plan. And each family deserves (laughs) an individualized education plan. I mean, that's why coaching, we are so impassioned about. It's an individualized plan. Right. Parents deserve that. Plan P is, and what we're trying to do on the podcast is help 
parents build their own individualized plan. Right. Absolutely. And in terms of freedom, I always sort of start by considering what the parents' wants and needs are. Mm. Right. So I think it comes down to three things, right? Where's my comfort level? Do I trust them? Why do I trust them? Sometimes I think of this as my trustworthiness. Absolutely. I totally agree. Their trustworthiness, like it requires looking at the evidence of what they do or don't do, which makes me trust them or not trust them. So like just right. knowing that. Okay. And then am I paying attention to what those things mean? Mean in the in a small way, like what's the message that's getting sent ah, through that okay. that behavior? Right. So if you start with what are my comfort levels, what you're talking about is modeling in some ways? Yes, in some ways. If I'm always late, then am I trustworthy? Mm. Yeah. Like what is my comfort level? I am comfortable being... Well, and I'm not anymore, but I used to be comfortable being very late. <laughs> would you would you care to share how late I can be? <laughs> yeah, well, we, we have a little discrepancy as to how many hours I waited for you. This was before we were in coupledom. Yes. But yeah, we, we and we agree to disagree. We'll never know just how late I was. I, as the person who was sitting there, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that my three hour thing is is the correct time because I was looking at the clock I mean I was doing other things <laughs> welcome to but our never to be clock. agreed upon debate that we will have possibly forever and how important is it Quinn not important at all are we here now yes thank you but for it waiting hours <laughs> thank you for waiting Quinn I appreciate you uh-huh <laughs> and have I gotten much better you've gotten much better you're still late some of the time, but you're generally, um, you let me know when you're going to be late. That's a huge, oh, actually you did that when you wait, made me wait for <laughs> hours. Every time you were about to be there in my mind, right. you would send me a little text saying, oh, still not done. <laughs> Give me another half an hour. Yeah. And I was not a teenager. I might've been a young adult. Yeah. yeah, it was probably, well, anyhow, we're going to move on from that. How trustworthy are you? Here's the thing about wants and needs for me. Mm-hmm. How trustworthy am I depends upon my clarity about, do I have a need? Because I can get them mixed up. Right. And then I become untrustworthy because yeah. I'm sort of manipulating the situation a little bit. Well, and also from my experience, you can also get caught up in the wants when it's not really the important thing, mm. right? I mean, right. my my favorite example of that is I need to eat dinner. It doesn't matter what restaurant we go to. <laughs> In negotiating those things, it's like I can tell you what my preference is to what kind of food we eat or where we eat, but it's really not as important as the fact that I need food at a certain point. Yeah, and I think we get into this a fair amount with adults, with all humans, but Mm -hmm. particularly with kids, we ask them what they want. And sometimes then we dismiss them. Uh Sometimes we ask and we don't really want to know the answer. Right. And this is about boundaries and this is about freedom, right? Mm -hmm. Well, what do you want? Well, I want to be able to stay out all night. (laughs) Okay. Well, and here's the thing about what I want and need as well. And that where we started, how much freedom is too much freedom? Well, if I don't know what I am comfortable with that's what you were saying right 
What is my comfort level? And then we have a place of communication. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So being clear on what your limits and boundaries are and how negotiable they are. Right. At the get-go, not in the middle of the night. Right. Well, and not when they've crossed the boundary that you've set. Yeah. Right. How trustworthy I am depends on many things. It starts with my clarity with myself. And I just want to say that some parents are very clear about this is the boundary and it's a hard line. I'm going to hold it. Some parents are very clear. Um, this is a hard line. And then when they break it, I'm going to then like sort of ignore it or say, well, at least they called me and then they called me again. And then they called sort of right. like make an exception. I'm going to make an exception this time. Right. If you hear yourself saying that, that, that might be a little right. red flag. I also used to make lots of excuses mm-hmm. and that taught my child to make lots of excuses. Right. You know, I would make excuses for them because, and then accept their excuses because I made excuses. Well, you know, the reason I let them fall and hit their head when they were three. (laughs) I mean, but, and and I say that in a joking way and I have so much compassion for history. Right. Like I recognize I was the one who let them fall down the stairs. Like literally, whoo. I let my child fall down an entire flight of stairs. Yeah. And I called the doctor and the doctor said, they cried when they hit the bottom, you're good. Right. Like I was so panic stricken and both of them. And I, I don't know. And there may be a parent out there where their child didn't roll off of anything ever. <laughs> out, of like stroller, <laughs> out of the stroller. I mean, I have heard stories in working with parents out of the stroller you know, off the chair, off the bed, off the changing table, they hit that developmental stage where they can roll. And we are still, it's again, how we are as parents, right? They're developing and we forget that they can roll. Right. (laughs) And then they roll and they fall and they cry. And the vast majority of them are fine. Yes. The vast majority. If I used that, I blew it because they fell off a chair and now they're a 16 year old and it's probably because I let them fall off a chair or did I mention down a flight of a stairs, flight of stairs, which still gives me pause. And I don't know whether Harrison knows that that even happened because they were so little and Allie was probably, I mean, like those little traumas, those little scars. And now it's the same thing. I forget. We forget as parents mm-hmm. that they have, they are different than they were last month. Right. Right. Their brains, the, the neural pathways are getting remyelinated and they're moving faster. Yeah. They're learning to roll over us. <laughs> <laughs> are we letting them roll over us is our part. Right. Right. right? Yeah. It ain't easy, this parenting. No. So how trustworthy are we? Right. That's what your That's, number one was, right? Right. And then number two is how trustworthy are they? And how do I know that? Right. It's not just I don't trust them because they're teenagers and they're doing <laughs> crazy stuff. Because, well, that's, you know, that's you can talk to other uh, other parents and get totally crazy about what they may or may not be doing. Mm. But what are they showing you? Are they, you know, showing up when they say they will? Right. Are they calling you and letting you know what's going on? Are they doing their are, homework? Are they doing their homework? Are they doing the things that, you know, if you ask them to do 
some task? Are they taking care of it? Are they telling you why they're not taking care of it? Ah, so there we're back to us in some ways. Do they have any tasks within the home? Hmm. Yeah. And are they, I mean, because are they fulfilling those? Because in that freedom way, when they're teenagers, guess what? They got freedom. Yeah. Cause they have the ability to roll and to walk out the door. Right. And so how much freedom is too much freedom? Well, do you want to let them leave the house? Do you want to drive them everywhere? Do you want to then pick them up all the time when they call? Do you want to start really being mad about that? You right. know, I mean, part of that is I certainly chauffeured. Be, I certainly chauffeured. And the minute Harrison lost his BART card or it was stolen because the number of things that were lost and stolen by both our kids over the right, right. teen years, we've lost track. And lost or stolen, I think, is a coin flip as to what they tell you. I mean, it's gone. <laughs> right. Whether right. they How lost much... it or somebody took it. <laughs> Whether they gone. were at a party or on the train. Yeah. It's, it's gone. It's gone. It doesn't, right. it doesn't really matter which one it is. and. Yeah. Right. And and back to our part, how are we dealing with that? Are we just replacing it? Are we making, oh, well, we've got insurance on that, which did I mention that phone insurance? You got to buy a new phone. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, I, we had insurance on that phone. Well, the insurance is <laughs> against damage, I think. Yeah. And uh, you, I mean, they, you can you, buy a new phone for cheaper. Yes. And <laughs> yeah. And there's also a certain number that afterwards it's not worth it for them anymore. And they won't give it to you anymore. <laughs> we hit that limit. Ah, uh, see, I don't pay as much attention to that yeah. stuff as you do. So yes. And now we're back to how honest and trustworthy am I being? Am I communicating with them? Am I sitting down or am I just fixing the problem? The problem is you don't have a phone. Right. Let's talk about that. I mean, there's moments that I know I didn't use and I'm going to say we Right, because I blame it all on you because you were the you, know, uh, you were I'm the one there, <laughs> and you were the one who was sort of saying this isn't normal behavior. I don't think, and that's the hard thing about learning how to have boundaries with people who are going to be adults. And you know what happens when they become adults and they leave the home? Your boundaries don't matter anymore. They have complete freedom, <laughs> <laughs> right? Your boundaries. I mean, you can hold on to some of the threads of financial support. If you want to, you can like those freedoms we try and control. I mean, I know lots of parents who try really hard to control their kids after they're out of the home. Right. And you know, again, does that feel right to you, mom, dad, parent, guardian? Right. I don't know. You want to talk about it a little because we need to process. Well, it sounds, it feels right to me to have, all these rules and regulations or like absolutely none and finding that balance. It's really, these are the years of, of their moving. Right. They are moving. Yeah. And you know, there are other ways to keep connection rather than strings. I mean, right. cause I, I mean, I'm just sitting here reflecting on my own young adulthood and how much, if I thought there was a string attached to something, I, it would repel me rather than attract me. I mean, so. Yeah. And that freedom thing, getting back to each individual, like Allie went off to college and like, there was literally, I think, I don't know whether it was, they were home for Christmas break or there was a phone call where they were like, 
I think it was Christmas break and they came home and they're like, this is crazy. Right. All these kids have their first taste of freedom and they don't know how to deal with it. Right. I mean, I think the actual words, one of them was college parties are exactly like high school parties. People are crazy. Right. And what they actually said even, I think, was you gave me so much freedom. I recall your response. Which was? Yeah, they earned it. (laughs) You were sort of like, yeah, they got freedom because they earned it. I mean, and part of that was we knew their friends. Yes. We knew their best friend who they spent a lot of time with. Right. And we knew the best friend's parents who they spent a lot of time in that house. Right. So that was very comfortable for us. Yeah. And I feel like most of their friends were also kids that we trusted would not run away if something happened. If something happened to one of them, they would support that. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because in that perspective way, I absolutely trusted that one friend's parents Mm -hmm. and I trusted the rest of them to be teenagers. Would they have covered each other's asses? I think there was, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't trust that. I didn't trust their friends as much as you did. Yeah, I mean, I guess it goes back to my partying days and, and somebody saying to me, don't try a new drug unless you're with somebody you trust will take care of you. And that's the level of trust that I'm talking about. Right. And I think we told that to both of our kids. Mm -hmm. I think you used that. And I think it's a re I mean, I thought it was brilliant. Right. You want to be with these people you trust. And the interesting thing that I continue to sort of be aware of about that is I don't know that Harrison was with people we trusted. No. No, I don't think Harrison was. And I don't think Harrison was aware of that. One of the wonderful things about Harrison is also one of the things that makes him very hard to parent, (laughs) which is that he trusts everyone until they do him dirty. And sometimes even a little after that. I was going to say, I think that he... So he meets people where they're at and it's this lovely... It's one of these lovely things about him is how he meets people... I mean, oh, he, he is the the definition of a hell fellow well met. Which is a phrase that most people don't, don't know. know. So. so what that means is really just taking people at, at face value and, and enjoying their company while you're with them. And uh, Harrison has been that kid since get go. Yes. We'll play with anyone. We'll love. I mean, Harrison walks in the room, arms wide open, smile, literally leads with love. Yeah. Absolutely. And the interesting thing, as I listened to you, and this is, I'm going to try and get this because it had never occurred to me before, that there is this model that we come into the world with, right? And the ways in which we are imperfect, that becomes their familiar. So I trust you, even though you're treating me badly. Mm. I think that there are parents who, through no fault of their own, I was talking to someone, you know, who said to me, I do to others what was done to me. Mm -hmm. And what was done to them was not okay. Right. But that doesn't mean they don't love that person. Well, we do. That parent. We do. Right. We do follow the model that we're given, right? We don't know better. Which is why modeling is important. So if you treat me badly, I trust you. Mm. because that's what I know. And in a lot of cases, and there's such a spectrum of this from children who were literally taken from their home because at the moment of birth Mm -hmm. to 
children who are raised in different levels of chaos. And mm-hmm. I raised my children as best I can with full 100 love. And I did lots of things wrong. I'm going right. to say it. like, and, and I'll say it to them. And every once in a while, they'll appreciate that. Like, yeah, I totally did that. Well, and, and no one can get it all right. Right, right? exactly. So, of course, you did things that were wrong. Absolutely. And, you know, there was a certain amount of chaos because, oh, life happens right. all around this stuff, too. Right. And when they were teenagers, my chaos got heightened. Yes. <laughs> you witnessed it. Yes. So when Harrison would come home late and I would stay up all night, I mean, it's like, it's, again, the toddlers to teens, you stay up all night when they're infants. Mm-hmm. Infants to teens, really. And you don't get any sleep. You don't get any sleep. And then they're teenagers and you're like, damn it. I'm not getting sleep again because (laughs) I am staying up all night waiting for the phone to ring. Mm. Afraid that the phone will ring. I'm wanting them to call. But if the phone rings, like there's so many awake parents in the middle of the night. Yeah. Not getting enough sleep. Not getting enough sleep because they're so concerned and wanting their kids to stay within those limits. And this is a time in their life. When they want freedom. Yeah. There's some song there. And they, yeah, and they push against limits. Right. So how much attention are you paying? That was your third thing, right? Yeah. I was thinking, what does it mean what they're doing? So Mm. if there's a task that they're supposed to be doing weekly or whatever, Mm -hmm. and they actually do that without you having to nag them and... Mm push them, then that's something to pay attention to and to recognize that that gives them a level of trustworthiness. Right. Right. Are you paying attention so you know, oh, clearly, again, I'm going to say the Are they trustworthy? And how do you know that they are trustworthy? Right. Are they taking the trash out on Tuesdays as they Mm -hmm. said they would? Are they calling at 1130 and saying they'll be home at midnight and then calling at midnight and saying they'll be, I mean, they're all levels. Yes. And so this is not like you need to get the microscope out because that's too much attention. Right. It's just knowing for yourself, what's the evidence that you see for how trustworthy they are. And this is something that we totally did not do well. Right. (laughs) Right. We did not think about, oh, this is what this behavior is telling us. You know, he, he can't be trusted. I mean, as you said, you were looking for excuses and reasons why the behavior was the way it was. Right. This tells me that they're not ready for that kind of responsibility or right. they're ready for more responsibility. Like, what does it tell you? Right. What they're it's doing? all about how much responsibility you are trusting them with. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, making excuses because Lord knows I made more excuses. Like, oh, they're feeling this way. Their actions, because this is what I sort of knew. Their behavior is modeling their feelings and they are feeling bad. I had such a story that I made excuses for their behavior, which I knew because I knew that behavior, it's somewhere in my head. I knew that they were acting that way because they were having feelings. I had no idea what their feelings were whatsoever. And I didn't ask. Right. And, And it invites conversation, right? If you have these concrete things, then you can talk to them about, well, you're doing this and this is what it tells me. Right. So what does it mean to you? Like, why are you, you know, am I wrong about that? Am I right about that? Like it, it, it's a way to open up that conversation with them about what's going on. Right. 
and even ask them. And when they say, I don't know, <laughs> mm, this is what I'm seeing. And so my interpretation of that is, can you cl help me clarify right. that clarity? I'm going to reference J. Cole. Um, oh, yeah. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, can't put the blame on you. Uh -huh. And then fool me three times, F the peace sign, load the <laughs> chopper. But but it's like, fool me once, that's on you. Fool right. me twice, that's on me. Right, because I've seen the behavior, I should... And if I load the chopper and then have a searchlight, like a helicopter parenting, just you just get a bigger chopper and you got a searchlight. We got to track them. Well, Is that who I want to be? I was going to say, when we're at that level of scrutiny, then... All we're really asking is for them to try to get out from underneath that level of scrutiny. Right. Because as teenagers, they need a lot of privacy. They need privacy to right. figure out who they are. Right. And so too much scrutiny just means that they need to escape it. Right. And not enough attention can also just make them feel like they're on their own and off a cliff. And you don't care. And you don't care. So there's a balance in there of like paying attention. And part of that balance, at least in my mind, is being able to reference actual things. You know, you don't want to say you always, you never. Right. This is, you know, you're rude. I mean, you want to uh. say, you know, when you did that thing, this specific thing, it hurt my feelings. <sighs> right. <sighs> or hurt my feelings. Or, you know, I thought it was rude. But the but, specific is really important in that because right. that opens a conversation. It doesn't say that they are this thing, but that in that moment, they did something that was. Right. And and you hurt me. I feel. Right. I felt something. Not you are being. Right. I have a feeling too. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not responsible for the, my feelings. And I want you to know you have impact because I love you and I care about you. And finding that is with the teenager, particularly preteen, teen, young adult, those moments are hard. But if you take the time to sit down and be worthy of the trust and right. don't sit down to reprimand them, but sit down with the intention of having a conversation and not pointing fingers and not because anger we were watching, what was that? The morning show, some mm. series. Yeah. On some streaming uh, service. On TV. <laughs> um, and I remember there's one scene in which she says, or someone says something about like anger. I can do that. <laughs> like anger comes easily. Right. Hurt. I'm not so good at that. Yeah. Yeah. So saying I'm hurt and not you hurt me. Yeah not getting into the battle of who hurt who. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's that. I mean, that's Brene Brown vulnerability right. stuff. If you want to look for more information <laughs> on that. Right. Um, and how do you do it? How do you be vulnerable? Because it's great. Like everyone wants to be vulnerable. It takes a great deal of to the playlist, um, <laughs> strength, courage, and wisdom. So the, that one other thing that I just want to make sure that we put a plug in for is in all of this conversation is also sort of knowing what you're modeling, right? Right. Because as Sarah said, when she was late all the time, that didn't model that her kids needed to be on time or that anybody needed to be on time for her because 
You knew she was going to be like. Well, and, and here's the, the other truth you get back down to. What do you value? Mm. And one of the things that I realized was, I'd like to say I think I got better about being on time with the kids. I mean, we only missed one plane, really. <laughs> Harrison loves to tell that story, how we almost missed the second one, too. Uh-huh. And how he saved the day, right. which he did. So I didn't value that. And what I realized at one point in my life, and that changed me, was that that was telling other people that I didn't value them and their time. Right. And that was not who I wanted to be anymore. Mm. And that was clarity. That was coming to self-awareness right. of my impact on others. And teenagers don't have an awareness of others. Well, that is like literally their it's the, physiologically it's designed. It's the part of their brain that is getting myelinated right. in this age. But their brain is at an age where they are not risk adverse at all. They are designed at these this age to push boundaries, to understand, to go, to be fearless in mm -hmm. a way that terrifies parents. Right. And so it makes sense that we want to put them back in a playpen. <laughs> <laughs> They're designed to go over that hill and risk their lives. And we don't live in that world anymore. Right. And Harrison has even said, we're designed to be warriors, mom. <laughs> I would like, say Ooh. hunters. <laughs> he sees... Himself yes. as these yes. are our years to be warriors, and we don't have that. We don't live in that world, right? So, yes, you know, I actually signed him up for boxing classes way too late. Mm. And if you did things, here's the thing, mom and dad, you're going to realize so many things that you did way too late, and that's okay because you know what? They know, they yeah. know we're human, and they know that we love them. And that's what we forget when we are doing all this boundary setting and raising all this awareness. So the practice this week, you're going to practice awareness, really practice awareness of, are you ready? Listening? Are you communicating clear boundaries, which both give and limit freedom? This is just Sort of being aware, oh, I'm setting a boundary that I'm throwing at them and I'm not really doing it consciously. Am I doing it with a recording tape recorder and headphones and making sure that we record it because I don't trust them at all? <laughs> or am I not setting any enough boundaries? Right. Or yeah. did I say come home, but I wasn't really clear about the time? Right. Am I in conversation with them too? Right. I'm setting a boundary. Are they acknowledging it? Am I forcing it down their throats? Like just bring awareness to, to whether that. you are communicating clear boundaries that either give or limit their freedom. Right. And acknowledge yourself. It's a two-parter. Awareness and acknowledgement of yourself. And acknowledge yourself when you're clear. Woohoo! Give yourself a little pat on the back. Buy yourself a little latte, whatever it is that you get to celebrate those moments of success. And also acknowledge when you're not and don't beat yourself up about it. Right. And then bring that same practice of awareness. Are they acknowledging and staying within the boundaries that you have stated, which give or restrict their freedom? Right. And acknowledging that, right? You say, thank you for you know, you got home on time and I really appreciate that. You can say that the next day or, you know, 
or I don't know what to do because you didn't meet this and I'm angry. <laughs> right. I'm having a feeling. I feel, and make sure it's a feeling. Here's, there's a whole podcast on feelings. I'm not going to get into that right now because that's so, but acknowledge that they didn't and also acknowledge that what happens when they don't is they lose a little bit of trust is that your trust in them erodes and right. now they get to rebuild it. How would they like to do that? Because you can renegotiate. Yes. That boundary didn't work. I'm actually really clear that that's the boundary. Right. That is the limit. You have to get home at this time. So talk to me. If the boundary can't change or shouldn't change. Right. Then you have to go to school. Right. So how are we going to get you to school? Right. Because you're not, right. you know, able to come with me or you're not getting there on your own or whatever the blockage is. Right. And really acknowledge, I mean, this is an ongoing process, right? Then acknowledge to yourself how that well conversation went. And are you being honest with yourself? Are you being clear? And I'm going to bring it full throttle back to where we started. This is going to be individual and it's going to take time because practice takes time. Yeah. These are practices and you yeah, get to it, keep practicing and you will get better at it as you practice. And it, so will your kid. So will, the mm -hmm. conversations will get easier because you will have had them before. Right. So, right. The more you practice with them, the mm -hmm. stronger that relationship becomes. Thank you so much for tuning in to Plan P. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and gained some valuable takeaways that you can practice this week. And remember, change takes time and practice. To stay connected with us and ensure you never miss an episode, make sure to hit that subscribe button and share our podcast with friends, family, or any other parents who could benefit from our discussions. You can also keep up with all things Plan P on Instagram and TikTok at Plan P is for. If you have any burning questions or specific topics which you'd like us to address on the show, please just email us at connect at planp.us. If you want to talk to one of us, go to our website at planp.us to learn about us and schedule your free coaching session online. All details and links will be in the show notes. We can't wait to reconnect with you on the next episode. See you next week.